Welcome to the 1% Club. If you guys want access to all my MMA plays and tell exactly what I'm doing, make sure you join the Discord by clicking the link in the description below. Uh, Coach, so we had some requests last time to talk more about money making, so let's fucking get into money making. You obviously have a golden touch. Let's talk about it. Um, <laughs> do I? Go ahead, buddy. No, I was just saying, do I have a... I don't, I don't think I do. I don't think I have a golden touch. I mean, you got a $250,000 car, a Richard Mill. I mean, 36 properties, a successful business. I mean, you're doing better than most. You're in the top 1.002% of money earners in the world. You're a world champion. We should give you the belt. We should get a belt made. Financial champ. So one of the things... Actually, before that, one of the things you said last time was... Uh, I don't really believe in money managers in it. And what I thought you said was great was like, hey, if you're just getting started, find a guy who or girl you can trust, start investing. Um, I used to manage people's money, so I don't believe in it. And I guess we could get into that. So oh, why don't I believe that. in it? I don't believe in it because I had a radio show a long time ago that was broadcast in Denver on all these uh, AM stations. And I interviewed John Bogle once. Do you know who he is? Uh, yeah, Yes and no. I know the name. I can't put a face to it, though. So he was voted one of Time's most influential men ever. Uh, he created the Vanguard Index Fund. That's right. Yep. Okay. And so I would tell most people, if you're trying to get into investing, really study indexing. Uh, and when I started really researching his work, so I got into Ben Graham, um, the intelligent investor, which is what Warren Buffett, you know, his whole platform is based on. Uh, and then I started getting into John Bogle. He wrote several books. One called One was called Enough. And the premise of that book is like, number one, when, are, when is enough enough for the, the average person, number one? like, uh, And two, the other part of that book was, and I'm getting to my point of why I don't love modern money management, is he was saying why he created the index fund was to get rid of fees and investments. And I think the average money manager is pushing people into products that are going to cut. It's a huge headwind, right? So... If you're making 8%, you have to deduct 4% of the fees. And then one of the things we used to teach clients is if you lose money, let's say you lose 30% in a year, you have to double or triple your return just to break even. So James, why, when you said that, why don't, why don't you believe in modern money management? I don't want to say that I don't believe in it because it is something that I actively in, invest in. I, it's just not my primary. It's not even my secondary. But I do believe in... Uh, I do believe that there is a game to be played there. And I honestly, okay, I'll just I'll just be frank. I don't think that I don't think that the returns are there. Like I don't see the returns there. I don't think uh for me there's, you know, 40 other things that I could invest in that's going to be a better return on my money. Like I did the math the other day and with my guy and he was like, you know, it was like if I invest $5,000 a month into a long-term, you know, deal he was at the end of it. He was like, this is what he said. And this is what happened. I was like, okay, $5,000 a month for X amount of years. I can't remember the math, but essentially it turned out after taxes, $5,000 a month would get me to $6,500 a month when I retire 30, 40 years from now. I was like, hold on. I'm tying up $5,000 a month to get 6,500 like 30 years from now. It what was he asking you to put it in James? It just, it could be just be a, uh, Anything. Yeah, a bunch of different stuff, right? Like, it, you know, some of it is is uh, taxes, which, uh, you know, like, I think the, one of the biggest things that long-term, like long-term financial planning, I think where people miss is the tax shelter. I am a big mm. believer in that, right? Like, it's Good not point. what you make, it's what yeah, you it's keep. Yeah, like those guys are great at helping with succession, estate taxes, trusts. That's um, right. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think that stuff is great, and I think, honestly— when I talk to entrepreneurs and stuff, that's probably one of the most underutilized things is like being able to keep, like if you have a, if you have a choice, let's say an IRA, you have a choice to give the government $11,000 now, or you can give yourself $11,000 later, like take the, take the IRA if you're married, you know, or 5,500 now if you're single, you know, or 5,500 now to the government or 5,500 later, you know, it, it just, it's, I would rather pay myself later than pay the government now. So just yeah. tax shelters is is the biggest thing, but it, to me the returns just aren't there. I would rather I would rather invest in income producing assets, and the, the the best and and tried and tested one for me is real estate. Like that's I I know 
I've done real estate long enough now to know that I'm going to get a solid return on my investment. Not only what, what people don't understand about real estate is there's like, and if you ask my daughter, I wish she was here, I, I would, I would, I would make her do it. But there's so many benefits to real estate and people often get blindsided by it because you have to put a big chunk down, 20% down usually, uh, to get, a you know, you, you put $20,000 down or $30,000 down to get $500 a month. That doesn't even make sense. Well, that's not necessarily telling the whole story because you get, a, you get tenant pay down. So whatever that is, you know, $1,000, $1,500, $2,000 a month, whatever the tenant is paying in rent, they pay that down. So if you just sell that property six months later, a year later, it would be the tenant pay down less also. So it's not like you're not getting it. It's just the bank is holding it for you. Right. Sure. Yeah. Plus it's you get like cash a forced flow. savings, right? Like I would tell people who, and I, and I love where this conversation is headed because kind of the direction of this conversation I want to have is so many people reacted to your podcast about, uh, and I think a lot of people want to learn how to make money, right? I mean, uh, everybody wants to make more money. I think some of these topics we're about to discuss can be overwhelming for people. But what, what you're saying too is like, I think what happens with housing is number one, you're saying depreciation. There's some tax write-offs on a rental property. You know, the tenant is paying the rent. Um, you know, there's a ton of benefits. The other one is, it's kind of a forced savings because yeah. if you're being smart about your house, you know, what I found in financial planning, James was like, I would, I used to joke with people like, look, I'm going to be your coach and give you a plan, but you're going to fuck it up. Like, I already know you're going to fuck it up and I can't give you something for 30 years that you're going to stick to. I know that it's human nature. So, uh, number one, let's work on your budget. Cause you spend way too much money. And then number two, we'll work on some long-term ideas, but what a house does for people is create that forced savings where unless you refinance and pull out, which is a strategy, but you have to be really good at it. And we could talk about that. Uh, it forces people to save up that equity that you can then roll and play with later. And I think for a lot of people, investing is hard because they don't understand the underlying behavior or psychology behind it. And a, and a house sort of fucking forces you into that model. Like you're kind of stuck with it. Yeah, 100%. And uh, dude, I, I don't know if I told you guys this, uh, on the last show that we did, but I just closed yesterday on a property that I literally have no money in, like zero of my own money into this property. I used a line of credit that I have on a home equity line of credit that I have on my personal uh, home. I used a home equity line of credit to purchase the property at like 133 or 135 or something like that. Um, I, I did some minor renovations to it, five grand maybe. And it just appraised for like 175, 180, somewhere in between there. And they gave me back, they refinanced it, did a 20% loan to value, which is right around 135. So I literally got this house for free. Like I, I parked my money in there for, it was gone for two weeks, I think, three weeks. And then they, you know, I just, I have this property now that somebody else is going to pay. It's going to cash flow for the rest of my life. And I did, I did it with none of my own money. I, you know, I had money to, to play with or whatever. And that's another thing is people don't understand, like, where am I going to get the cash from? Dude, most, mm. I, it's like, I think it's the majority of America. I want to say it's like 64% have a decent amount of, uh, I can't remember the number, but they have more equity in their home to be able to use than they, than they think they do, right? And then, so the next question is, well, right now the rates are crazy. Yeah, don't refinance. Do a home equity line of credit so you're not, you're not losing your rate. Right. That's why everybody's like, don't refinance. Yeah, yeah. Like, I can't. Well, I don't that, that's pull the money. other problem, though, is like most people don't know how traditional lines of credit work. Most lines of credit work on a daily average or balance. So mm -hmm. if, if you're paying that down, the, the interest rate isn't 7%. You can generally do the math and work it out to like 3 or 2% if you are using that line of credit responsibly. That's right. Therein lies the problem, though. Most people go out and spend that on Best Buy and fucking you, Del Taco. That's the thing is you can't use a line of credit to buy a pair of Gucci shoes. Like you have to buy. <laughs> And do I have a friend? Uh, I have a friend. His name's Michael Morgan. He owns a a, a group of uh, I call him I call him the Family Dollar of Fitness. Family Dollar of yeah. Fitness. Yeah, and he he'll be he'll be a, another guest. He'll probably be my next guest that I do on this on on my podcast with like business and stuff like that. But he's so genius, man. He's he's put twenty four hour fitness facilities with uh with tanning beds, very nice stuff. And he goes into a town of seven to twelve thousand people that they don't have any other gym and he puts one in there and dude, he's, you know, he's grossing well into six figures monthly with, you know, 11, yeah. gym. I'm sorry, netting well into six figures monthly with, uh, he has 11 locations. Him and I are about to open one at the beginning of the year in a town called Republic, Missouri, which is one of the fastest growing cities in uh, Missouri. Long story short, uh, he is extremely good at 
figuring out and this I call him I bounce these ideas off him like hey man like if I buy this car on this line of credit what do I have to do to get like he he'll 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 do the math and he's, hey, he's just so smart with it. like, how do I use this line of credit at 5% to make more money over here? And it's like, how do I get this asset? So, but I'm paying 5%, but I'm getting 6% back here. And it's like, he's so good at the math with that. Yeah. So he sounds like a savant. He probably solved equations on math boards uh, in the hallway of Harvard when he was a janitor. <laughs> he's really um, not, but he's just extremely, he's extremely gifted when it comes to uh, like understanding money. And I think that's the biggest problem is like, people just don't understand money. Like you come from, you come from money, so you know, like, you come from the finance world, so you kind of know, like, what works, what doesn't work, you know, like, it, it, people just so, so don't, they don't educate conversation, themselves. bro, like, because uh, I've been thinking about this conversation and what we were going to talk about, and uh, I've been reading this book, I've said it several times, The Psychology of Money, because I got really good at making money, you know, I was making six, seven hundred grand a year in the finance business, I was, I'm a great salesman, probably top five in the world, uh, I'm going to go for the belt soon, and I... I, I got really cocky about generating income and what I, and then I got into entrepreneurialism and realized I was a terrible entrepreneur. So I had to learn all those lessons because those are mutually exclusive. They're not the same fucking thing. If you're a great salesman and you're listening to this, it does not make you a good entrepreneur. No, it's a whole nother let it let, like let, set of life skills. But, um, uh, even though I was teaching it, I was still displaying bad behaviors. Like when I look back, in fact, honestly, bro, our conversation made me look back at some of the decisions I've made. And uh, as we were talking about athletes and that kind of thing, and I was like, man, I made some poor choices too. And as I'm reading this book, the book of, it's uh, the psychology of money. Because uh, there's, this, there's, this, there's this theory, right? Like if you, if you disperse all the wealth in the world, because like, that's a thing that you hear a lot now, let's disperse all the wealth. And you're like, well, first of all, it'll end up back in the hands of the 2%. And I never knew why. I was like, well, maybe some of them are cocksuckers and douchebags and just greedy and they're going to lie and steal and cheat. The other thing is I heard Tony Robbins say the reason that that money goes back to the 2% is because that 2% has a higher standard. They just have a higher standard of living and, and being that's going to attract that money. It's and then mindset. I heard Jordan Peterson talking the other day about the psychology of money too. And this book kind of touches on it. But one of the ideas is that a lot of our behavior around money was learned a long time ago. And most of us don't even know how to adjust the psychology to it. Like you could teach someone some basic principles, but the behavior around it still might be fucked up. Does that make any sense? Yeah, no, it makes sense. But I think it's not just about money, right? It's about anything. Like people don't have discipline, sure. bottom line. People, most people don't have any type of discipline to, I mean, think about like, you talk about like a diet. Like people can't lose weight. They can't save money. They can't, it's like, it's not a... It's not a uh, uh, a money Ooh, that's problem. That's good, bro. It's a discipline problem. People don't have any discipline, and they're not wanting to educate themselves on the importance of the discipline. And that's that's where my problem is. Is like I have just educated myself, right? Like all the information in the world is available, you know, right? So would you hand. say one of the secrets to like because you just touched on something that I think is so dope. If you want more results in life, now everyone knows Jocko wrote a book about this, but like to, to summarize this in the YouTube world we live in, if you want more results in life, start studying what discipline means. When, when you get into like the, the professional athletes and stuff like that, it's not a money problem. People say, oh, like, you know, I'll get my million dollars and won't be it. Dude, it's not a money problem. It's a discipline problem. It's a money management problem. If you can't manage $100 correctly, you're not going to be able to manage a uh, hundred thousand or a hundred million correctly. It just doesn't work like that. You're going to people, they, they, uh, outspend themselves. And it's, so it's not a money problem. It, it's a, it's a discipline problem. And I think, uh, it's a discipline slash education problem, you know, like, mm. and even that sometimes like you see some diabetics, it's like, dude, all you got to do is eat better. And they just refuse to do that. You know, like some, I'm right, not saying all, right. but like, all you have to do is stop spending and, and, uh, yeah, people are like, how did you lose weight? And you're like, I ate less and worked out. <laughs> yeah. Like it's dude, not, it's some not people, rocket Some people will come to my gym and they genuinely, they, they want to lose weight without working right, uh, without working out and eating right. It's like, it, it, they, you know, so they're always looking for like a pill or some type of like magical thing that is, it's not real. Like even I've seen so many people go on these like, you eat three pounds of meat a day and, you know, and they'll lose weight, but it it's not sustainable though. Like you can't sustain right. that. Like you can go spin like an asshole, you know, take, go buy the Gucci shoes, go buy all that. Like you can do that, but it's just not sustainable to do every day. And, and furthermore, like you said, this, 
And I think you're kind of, I don't know what you were buying. You said, I made some stupid purchases. Dude, I made some stupid purchases too, but like one. You know I, what I, James, you know, coach, you know what it was? Is I was like, I was making all this money. Like again, six, 700 grand a year. I was just crushing it. I was young. I was 28, you know, yeah. I, and I was every year and I had the 750 and I had all the bullshit, Breitling watches, all that stuff when I was young. And you know what I was doing, bro, is, is I was, so here's the biggest mistake I made is I, so I got into Amway early, right out of college. It's kind of what saved my life, to be honest. Um, Cause I was just playing sports and doing drugs and drinking and you know, being the cool kid. And I, uh, I meet these Amway dudes and they're all about reading books and self-development. And, and I was like, wow, this is dope. Like I want, I, I, you know, I, I want to be a part of that. Amway taught me one really great thing, which is successful people read. So I became a, you know, I, I applied my athlete brain to reading books and just started devouring knowledge from that knowledge. Uh, I started recognizing that the people who make a ton of money were business owners. So I got really laser focused on investing in businesses. And I think when I was early, young, like I had barber shops and we had, you know, the financial business and we had, and I, I think the mistake looking back now, now granted the, the, the MBA in life that I now have is priceless. I could look at any balance sheet or business and probably tell you if it's a good investment or not. But back then I threw hundreds of thousands of dollars into businesses that I probably shouldn't have when I should have probably balanced that portfolio with some real estate, some other assets. And that was the mistake that I made was just thinking like, I'm always going to be making this much cash flow. Yeah. It's never going to fucking slow down. And I was trying to reinvest it. Just some of them were poor, you know, poor, poor choices. Well, there's two things that come to mind. One, uh, dude, if you, if you are hustling, if you're hustling every day and you're making the cash, you can go eat a cheeseburger. You know what I mean? Like you can buy dumb shit if you've earned that. Like uh, there's a saying, like earn what you eat, right? Like, like yeah. you got to earn what you eat. So it's not like you can't. Uh, you you. It's not like you can't do that, right? Like I earned the right to be able to afford uh, go buy a McLaren. Like was it a smart purchase? Sick. No, but it's, I fucking wanted it. Fuck you guys. Like I worked hard. You know what I mean? Like I worked <laughs> yeah. Hard. Don't me. Don't financially me to me. Yeah, bro. I like, earned that shit. I'm gonna I'm gonna sell this car for what I paid for it a year from now, and I'm gonna drive a McLaren 720s for free. Like I I don't. You know, or, yeah, yeah. or I'll pay 10 grand to, to drive it. Like, I, dude, how many people can say they own a McLaren? You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's stupid. I don't think that it's terrible to, to do dumb, to do dumb purchases if you earn the saying. right to do so, you know? Yeah, I, yeah, no, I get what you're saying. I think, yeah, like, and dude, trust me, that 750, I could afford it. And I loved that fucking car. It was murdered out. I was 27. Every time I stepped out of it, someone was like, is that your dad's car? I was like, no, I crush it. I made yeah. better life choices than you. I'm absolutely destroying it. So I think for me, the business choices I made back then, you know, cost me millions. And I, I just wish someone would have taught me like, hey, diversify, buy a couple properties. They're not exciting. It's not the stock market, you know, have someone manage them. Um, and here's why. And I think the word diversification, most people just don't fully get it. That was the second that I remember I was going to say now is, is I feel like some people get into business, but they buy a business just to say they own a business. Like you said, like, dude, there's fighters, there's fighters that I, that I say this, like Alex Volkanovsky is one of the best fighters on the planet, but he doesn't have like this crazy following. Why not? He's, he's literally one of the most perfect fighters on the planet. And I'll tell you why. Cause he's, he's not super sexy. Like he doesn't spin. He's not doing flying knees. He's just fundamentally almost perfect. Right. And if you take that and you apply it to like investing, like a lot of the best investments, they're not really sexy. You know, people will say, oh, I bought this business and it's 100X, you know, I bought crypto and it's, you know, it's going to go to the moon. Like, dude, you know, 7 yeah. to 10, 12%, 15% a year adds up compound interest. The, the compound effect, another great book. Uh, it just talks about uh, compounding interest, compounding money over time and, and how it, not just money, but uh, results over time. It, it adds up, man. It really does. And real estate for me is, it gives me everything that I want. I'm really big on cash flow. I want cash flow. And real estate yeah, gives me cash the cash flow, cheap. depreciation, appreciation of the property, tax write-off, all that. Yeah, because backing up to the IRA thing you said earlier, like I used to teach clients, you know, number one, money management is hard. So anybody who's thinking about getting a money manager, just, you know, take your time. Um, you know, I would tell anyone listening to this, just start to teach yourself some finance. So where could you start? I'd say rich dad, poor dad. 
I'd say Tony Robbins' book on wealth creation, which I thought was one of the best books on wealth generation I've ever read. You know, start with those two. Uh, One of the things they do is they make it confusing like a casino because when you're not playing with real money, uh, the losses don't feel so bad. But back to the IRA, they're always going to get it on the way back, and then you can't touch it. I think think one of the problems with modern finance is they're not teaching cash flow. I'd rather have the cash flow too uh, because, you know, an IRA, you can't, you lock that up. You can't touch it for 25 years. And then if a good investment or property or deal comes along, your money's locked up. You take that out. They're going to ding you on the taxes and the penalty. Uh, and you're just not liquid anymore. And then bro, what people end up doing is they end up taking the fucking money anyway. Like you tell them like, don't touch this. And then they touch it and they lose 60% of it in fees and taxes and wonder why they don't have any money left. I, I will say this. Like if you have a 401k, I'd cash that bitch in. I'd take the penalty, cash it in, and I'd put it on something else. Like I'd put yeah. it, I'd be buying, like if I had a 401k and no assets, I'd be buying income producing assets, especially where the economy is heading, which is a, maybe it's a different podcast. Maybe it's this podcast, but like we're coming to, I, I, in my opinion, I personally think that over the last two years and dude, I, I, me and you, me and you got to jump on with my boy, Mike, the guy that owns the gym. He's, he's just like us. He's wired just like we are. And he freaked out, you know, because they shut all his gyms down. I said, I said, Mike, listen to me when I tell you this is going to be an opportunity for everybody to set themselves apart one way or another, right? Like mm. the people that can't adapt and overcome are going to fall off. The, the, the people that are in his industry, the gym industry, I said the people that are, you know, running a 1200 foot, uh, 1200 square foot facility doing personal training, they're going to go away. Like the people, that started, you know, one, one product company doing it. They're going to go away. Like the cans, you mm. know, if they're trying to do a fit soda too. They're going to go away. Like this is going to separate the big boys from the pack. The people that are about it, it's going to separate all of them. And, and for me, anytime Bro, that I you see that. uncomfort. I fucking love that. Yeah. Anytime you see uncomfort, man. You, you think it's pivot. headed towards, you think it's headed towards, I wouldn't say depression, but Let's be honest. We're going to go through a big correction. I think we're going to see something unlike that we've ever seen before. I really, I really, I truly in my heart believe this because especially in the, in the real estate world, you're going to see a, you're going to see a, a movement where interest rates dude. They're talking about raising interest rates another point and a half before the end of the year. Like, yeah, damn dude, people are not going to be able to afford to buy where they live. And it's, it's, I'm telling you guys right now, mark my words, bookmark this podcast. We are going to go to a type of society where it is much more culturally acceptable to rent in America. Right now it's not culturally acceptable. Mm. You're frowned upon to rent. We, Europe is unlike that. I think you're already seeing that. Like you already see kids in their thirties, you know, continually to have roommates and rent one, one, because they can't afford it. That's right. Inflation is destroying their earning power, so they have to have roommates. So I think you're already seeing that. Yeah, uh, and it's just a it's a cultural shift too, right? Like a hundred percent, it is a hundred percent. And I think I think you're gonna see. Uh, I think you're gonna see like the the th- in my area. I can tell you like the three bedroom, one bathroom houses that two years ago were going for one fifteen, one twenty, one twenty five. Those are now gonna go two hundred plus, and I don't think they're gonna go back down. I don't think those are ever going to go back down, but I will, I think like the, you know, the 200 to $300,000 like primary residences, I think those people are going to move into the the three bedroom, one bathrooms. And then the three bedroom, one bathrooms are going to, you know, downgrade to one ones, two ones in the, in the apartments. And then the people with the million dollar homes are going to be down, you know, 30%. For me, I can tell you right now, I can tell you, I paid 880 for my house. It's worth about 1.1 right now. When this market tanks, I'm going to rent it out. And I'm going to buy a bigger, nicer house for myself. And I'm going to rent this one out. I'm not going to sell it because I don't want to lose 30% on it. So I'm going to rent it out yeah, to yeah. a ball player or whoever, you know, somebody that's got some money in Kansas City because somebody will figure it out. And then I'm going to wait for the yeah. market to come back up. And then I'll sell that bitch off. And then I'll so, have a nice new home for free. So, bro, so let's back up. So, so what we were kind of, and I believe you, uh, and I love what you said because I've been saying it even in our team, like, what, you know, we, so, we, so you have a world war, inflation, supply chain, and inflation. Any one of those four in any given period of time would be a hard market. Yep. We're dealing with all four. All of and, them. And so I, I'm, I'm with you. You're going to see a real estate, I'll call it a crash, a correction, mm-hmm. where you're going to see a business um, deflation. You're going to see stocks 
come cr- crumbling down. I don't know if Plummet. you follow Michael Berry, um, uh, the, the famous investor who predicted the housing crisis back in 2008. Uh, but yeah, I think you're going to see a correction and all that. And the good news, though, is you know the the biggest the biggest piles of wealth ever were created in depressions. Hmm? And and for those of you who don't follow this, like me and Coach here, you don't read finance books is because you can buy things at a bargain. Oh yeah. If you are ready to go during this time and you and you can you can push away some of the the stress and the anxiety of it. Hard to do, I understand. And you position yourself to be ready for this. Good credit the right partners, the right mentality, You're, you could make a ton of fucking money for the rest of your life. Uh, and that's what you were sort of saying, right? When there's blood in the streets, you know, that's when you, that's when you I buy. That's yeah. when you buy. Uh, and that's, we, we have, honestly, we've been spoiled. You know, we've been spoiled the last, you know, five, 10 years. We're seeing like 2.8% interest rates. Guys, I said this also, if you weren't getting every loan you possibly could during COVID, you're crazy. 2.8%, 2.5%, anything under, it's free money. It's free money. And if you guys didn't take advantage of those, those loans, uh, and when people say, people say this, like I have so many lines of credit. I have a line of credit out on my car that's paid off. I have a line of, a line of credit out on my house. I have a, I have a line of credit on anything that they'll give me. And that doesn't mean I use it, but I have money available to me to use in case like this. And what I'm doing is I'm just stockpiling. I'm going to wait. I, I, I just closed on that, on that house that, uh, that I got for no money, none of my own money in. And I, no, that's the only reason I bought that is because it's none of my own money. And I'm just going to kind of sit. You know, I see in the next six to 12 months, we're going to start to see big correction. We're going to start to see scarcity. We're going to start to see panic. You're going to see people starting to sell off their, their belongings to, you know, pay rent. And you're going to just, you're going to start to see, uh, I don't want to say depression, but like people are like, well, we're ready for a depression, uh, a recession. Dude, we're in a recession. We've been in a recession since July. Yeah. Like we're yeah, there. Real talk. We're there. Yeah. So like, you're just going to, st- I think you're going to start to see like on a scale of one to 10, one being like, oh fuck, we're in fucking trouble. And 10 being like two three years ago where we're all good. Money's, you know, money's prosperous, all that stuff. I think we're at like a seven and I think we're going to mm. hit a three. You know what I mean? Like, I think yeah. we got a long way to go. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, I lived through and worked through the 2008 crash, and it's very similar to what's happening. I mean, even, fuck, even look what happened in England recently. The derivatives yep. market has crushed their market again. You know, the, the, the pound is down against the dollar for the first time in 20 years. I mean, you can see the signs all over the world, right? Um, so I agree with that 100%. So, yo, so you're, you're really good at investing in real estate, and I think people may hear what you just said and think lines of credit, debt, uh, that scares me a bit. Um, walk us back through how you bought this last house, yep. sort of using smart money principles. Because I think there's a lot of people who will hear this and get really excited to go try to buy some property. And I think you said something really amazing too, because like, one of the biggest money myths in the world is you need your own money to do it. Uh, you don't. Arbitrage is a thing we used to talk about in finance all the time. Like, bro, have you ever looked at a premium finance insurance policy? You should if you haven't. They're fucking bananas. Is that where you just use, you, you basically buy the insurance policy and then you get like a 5.5% return on your own money? It's like infinite banking? Is that? K- kind of, bro. But they'll, they'll bring in specialty lenders who will give you, let's say, a million dollars to fund a policy. You pay the interest on the policy and then the policy pays the loan off and you're left with this giant cash value life insurance policy after 10 years. Now, it's a 10-year play. Yes, uh, but I have. Yeah, I, you're talking yep. four or 500 grand a year of income tax-free if you can pay the interest on that loan. You don't need the money. You only need the money to service the loan, right? Yep, yep. Premium finance life insurance policies are fucking sick. We got to talk about, this is the type of stuff. See, like, dude, when you say, like, I'm really good at buying real estate, I I don't, I'm not, like, it. it, You've just done it a lot. Not even, it's just, I've been doing the same thing since I started. It's just math. Does it, does it make sense financially? Like, Dude, this, this last one is a no-brainer. I was going to sit because I think the market's going to see a big correction. I see this deal come up, and it's like $135,000. let us just call it one thirty five. I think it's like one thirty three and some change. Is that for a house? Yeah. I'm only asking because in Denver, for one thirty five, that's insane. You yeah, can find houses here it's in different, bro. You get, you, I mean, Denver is crazy. I know where you're going. But like, well, my market is great, man. Like, If you put this house that I live in right now, if you put this house in, in Florida, you're talking about 
five to ten million dollar house. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I live on a lake. I, you know, like it's I, I'm my cost. The cost of living here is super cheap. But uh, I need to move to Kansas City. Maybe we relocate the company. <laughs> you won't. You won't. <laughs> you won't. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's a two bedroom, one bathroom house. And I paid, let's just call it 135 for it. I used a home equity line of credit. I have a $250,000 home equity line of credit that I use for exactly for this. I, it's not, I don't even, I have never used it before this, but this deal was so good. I pulled it immediately and I pay on a, on a line of credit. You, I think my rate was like 5.5% interest only. And you only pay on the money. That's another thing. People think you pay the interest on the total amount. You only pay on what you use. Right. So, that's what we were talking about earlier. Yeah, yeah. Like people confuse that all the time. And if the daily balance goes down, the, your interest rate is effectively, you could make it almost whatever you want. You can. So I bought this 135. I put, let's just call it, I don't know, man, five grand into it, not even. The house appraised for 180 almost, 177, 176, 178. And then the bank will give me uh, 80% loan to value. So if the house is worth, uh, 180, they'll give me, uh, 80% of that. Right. Mm. So I then basically I had the, the, my down payment, my, my equity that I needed to be into this was already in the deal. Like I got the house so good that my equity was already in the deal. And now I have this mm. house that I'm going to rent out for $1,300 a month. My payment is going to be like 1100. So it doesn't cash flow a ton, but it cash flows $200 uh, it cash flows $200 a, a month, which is, you know, $2,400 a year. Oh, and, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, I'll have that for the rest of my life. By the way, anyone listening to this, you realize that what also James is doing is all the money he's borrowing is tax-free. He doesn't have to earn extra income. And when, when there's a deposit in his bank for 50 grand from his line of credit, the IRS can't also tax that. So the government loves tax -free debt. Money. They love yeah. debt. I mean, wealth is created through debt. They love debt. Like they're they're they don't tax debt. So why would you? I, that's why I don't understand the uh, the Dave Ramsey deal. I don't. I don't. Oh, I'm not always getting out of debt. I think I. You know what, bro? I used to listen to his show a lot because when we did our show, his show would come on after ours. And I think what he's saying is that the average person. Hold on, I got to be careful with what I say right now. I think most people just handle debt poorly. Maybe. Uh, Wait, what kind of debt though? I mean, like all debt is not bad. All debt is not created equal. You know what Correct. I mean? Like a car debt Correct. and a, a income producing real estate debt is not the same. Like, so he's probably saying like pay down your credit cards. He's saying no debt. No debt. No debt. I, and I'm gonna listen. I'm gonna give you an example of why I feel like he's wrong. Let's say I have a hundred thousand dollars. I agree with you, by the way. Let's say I have $100,000 in, in this last market, because this was a real thing. I had, I had a friend come to me and say, hey, I have about 100 grand. He says, should I just buy a house cash? And I said, no. And this is what he did. He, uh, instead of buying a house cash, let's, let's, let's just say the $100,000 uh, house will produce, I don't know, for nice round numbers, $1,000 a month in rental income. So that's $12,000 a year, okay? Or... You could buy five properties with 20% down, right? And, yeah. and you would, let's just say your payment would be, I don't know, you're probably going to cash flow like $200 a month, right? So it's, a, it's $800 that you would cash flow. So it's a little bit less. But what they don't talk about is you're getting tenant pay down on five different properties. If you bought it at the right time, you're talking about a 20% appreciation times five, you do a 20% appreciation on five properties that are worth $100,000. That's another $100,000 in equity that you just got for holding the property to where this yeah. other guy only got 20,000. Yeah. So it's just, I mean, and even if, even if the, even if the properties go down, if you bought in the height, even if the properties go down, the rent is going to be there, right? The rent's still there. There's the tenant still making the payment. So it's like people yeah. need places to live. Like you can't go buy a $500,000 house and expect to rent it because that's not, that's a primary residence type of house. But if you go buy a two right. bedroom, one bath, three bedroom, one bath where people need to live, people need places to stay. There, there, there's a shortage of places to stay right now. And people need to understand that it's, it's, it's education. You just got to educate yourself on what's going on. Just like you have to educate yourself on your, your industry, like what's, what's, what do people like? What don't people like? I have to educate myself on MMA because I coach. Like if you want to be good at finances, you got to educate yourself and you got to want to do it. Everything that I learned is on YouTube, man. Everything, everything that I've ever learned about yeah. finances on YouTube. Same.
Same. I like to read a bunch, so because uh, I get like into the margins and I write little notes and I keep little like. Uh, but yeah, you can literally learn anything you want on YouTube. Um, you know, some of the greatest wealth in the world was used with leverage. I mean, look at the leverage buyouts in the '80s. Look at everybody who's wealthy understands the debt principle. Debt. I'm going to use arbitrage to my advantage. Debt is the best thing to me. I, I just don't understand why. Uh, you know, you don't want to be over leveraged. There is, you know, what I mean. There is a that is a thing. That's why in 2008, everybody always references that. That's because they were given 110 percent on loans. You know what I mean? And when the, the value, market crashed. Yeah. These people were going out and buying cars and depreciating assets with they the had extra adjustable money. Re, they had adjustable rate mortgages too that you know adjusted from two to ten, and they had seven rental properties that now were at ten percent. They never thought they would adjust, or they thought they could refi before they adjusted. Yeah, yeah there was a lot of fucking shen, you know shenanigans going on then. But I will say this: if people played their cards right and they invested that one hundred and ten percent, you know, if they if they did that right. I guarantee you there's a lot of millionaires that were made in 2008 if they played their cards right because they were giving out money left and right. And if you played your cards right, even in the market crash, you would have been good. But it was the people yeah. that were getting the 110% and they were taking that extra 30% that they got and going and blowing it on whatever, you know, and then their house wasn't worth shit. So it was primary residence. If you're buying it as an investor, the tenant makes the payment anyway, right? Even if it goes down, like there's still like... Dude, I, I can't. I, I can't imagine. It's just. I. I just think it was very difficult. The market would have to go down like so much, and not only would the market have to go down, the tenants would all have to leave. It's just. It would have to be a complete catastrophe. Well, I think you said something earlier that's sick that people need to remember, and I think I've even gotten guilty of forgetting this. Is like, I, I think if your goal is long term, so to your point, like, yeah, the market may dip. Let's call it ninety percent. If James is going to hold his properties for thirty years. That value is going to come back. You yeah, just have selling. to get through that 30 years. And to your point, people are going to need a place to live. So regardless of what happens, I may be upside down for a while, but it's going to come back. People need a place to live. My, my, uh, my aunt's house, she bought a house in Florida. At one point, it was worth $300,000. That house is now worth $1.2 million. And, it, and it's, we're talking like less than 10 years. In the history of real estate, in the history of real estate, there's never been a 10-year sliding period where real estate has gone down in value ever in the history of real estate, ever. 10 years. Yeah. Never. Yeah. So what So what do you tell people who, uh, like, like, let's say there's a guy listening to this who's like, okay, I'm ready. Like, what, where would you tell them to start? Would it be like, just start talking to lenders and trying to figure out um, what your options are? Because uh, you could go FHA with only 3% down. There's a lot of deals you could you could get into. Um, what would you tell someone who's listening to this who's getting kind of fired up? Like, I want to buy some real estate. Um, I, how would you sort of coach them through the deal-making process? Because I think you're right. Like, you touched on something earlier that I think people do, too, is they, they try to even make real estate investing fancy where they're like, I'm going to buy two $500,000 houses. When you're like, no, go find some deals in, the, in, the, in a bad neighborhood uh, or even a neighborhood. Like, we have neighborhoods around Denver, like Glowville and stuff, where even the fringes of those I think are going to pop soon because you have, like, Rhino and all this stuff. Uh, but it's not sexy, Yep. Right. What would you coach them to do? Like get a realtor, start with the lender. I'm just going to tell you what I do now and what I would do if I started over right now. I have a realtor that is a really, really good friend of mine and he know he's been doing it for 25 years and anybody that looks to buy in Kansas city, I send to him, I trust him and he's super conservative. So I know if he says it's a buy, it's a buy, buy, buy. Like I'm, I'm risky, right? Like I don't mind taking risks. So if he says buy, I'm buying it twice. Second is you have to like, you have to educate yourself. Like you just have to, like if, if, if you don't, you're going to get got at some point, you're going to get got sure. if you don't educate yourself, like trust, I trust everybody, but I always verify trust, but verify. And mm -hmm. then third, you kind of touched on this already. The FHA, if I were to do this over again, you can buy an FHA you can use an FHA loan for up to four units. So if I were to do this over again, I would do a thing called house hacking. I would buy a four, fourplex, a four-unit, uh, multi-unit property. I would spend 3.5% down. I would live in one unit. The other three units pay for my, my rent and cash flow, probably. And then I would do that for a year or two or whatever. And I would move out. I would get my own place. And then you have four tenants in there producing income for your property. After a few mm. years, if let's just say you don't have any more money, that's all you have. You have no other money. After a few years, you refinance, you pull the money out, and you do that same thing. You do it again. You may not be able to put, you know, three point five percent down or whatever, but 
the income from them paying that note down, just do the math, man. Just do the math. Do the math for five years. Do the math for five years. It's staggering. A tenant pay down plus cash flow. If you save it and you're disciplined, which is like what we talked about, there is plenty, plenty. Of, I don't want to do the math for you right here, but it's, it, it is staggering how much you'll get if you just be patient and you're disciplined. It, it, it really is super easy. That's all I do. I don't believe, I'm not paying shit off ever. I'm not paying any of these properties off ever. I'm going to keep refining, keep putting the money that I have, the equity that I have in these properties, and I'm going to buy more properties because debt is not taxable. So why would I want to get rid of debt? Debt is made, wealth is made through debt. So why would I want to get rid of it? I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to keep doing it over and over and over again until I'm sick of doing it or I pass it on to my kids or, or whatever. Right. But like the, that's how wealth is created. Wealth is created so, through so, debt. Yeah, I agree, bro. Here's one thing too, for, the, for any listener who, who may feel like, Hey, my, maybe my, my income at my job isn't enough. You could always find a partner too. Yeah. Find some partners, find, find a couple guys you could do an LLC with and, you know, split it with or like, because sometimes I think people hear that and then they go to a bank and the guy's like, well, you don't have enough income. It's like, well, don't let that wall stop you. Find another partner, find a family member who will de- this goes you know, back, do the deal with you. We talked about this last time. I, I think maybe not. I was, I had this discussion. My life changed about three years ago. Whenever I just, I didn't accept no for an answer. Like mm, we didn't, if, but I love this conversation. If people say, oh no, we can't do that. No bullshit. You can do it. You like, okay, you can't do it. You can't do it, but I can do it. Now the, the, my immediate response was, dude, there's private money lenders that'll give you, you know, it's, they're going to bust you up on the rate, but what are we, what are we doing here? Like, are you worried about a 10% rate or are you worried about getting in the game? You got to get in the game. Once you're in the game and you understand the rules, like we did talk about this last time, once you're in the game and you understand the rules, you can start to play the game. But if you're sitting out on the sidelines, you're not, you know what I mean? There's no it's you got it. There's, there's private money lenders. Check your equity in your house. That's the number one thing. Like how much you own your house? Oh, well, my house is worth $350,000. How much you own it? hundred. What? How yeah. you have $250,000. You're not using like, what do you, what do you mean? You don't have money. Like it, it happens more. It, it's staggering. How many people have money in their house that they're not using? So do you guys use a property manager too? Do you guys have like one firm that manages all the properties? I manage all my own properties. I have myself and one other person that helps me. Yeah. yeah, I remember uh, when I had a couple of properties. I remember I was young, though. I was I wasn't who I am today, and I remember thinking, I remember taking these calls from the tenants and stuff, and just being I was I was being a bitch about it. I get it. We can vent here. This is a safe place. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember thinking like I had to do the roof and I had to do some other things, and I was young and I was building this other finance thing, and I was like, man, I just don't want to deal with this guy telling me he's late on his rent every month. Um, that's why I asked you about a property manager. Um, but you do it all yourself. I do myself and the the general manager of my gym. I hope I pay him to help me manage the properties. And dude, we we don't. The hardest part for me, the hardest part about uh, being a landlord or whatever you want to call it, is finding a good tenant. If you can find a good tenant, mm-hmm. you're good, man. Like if the do you guys have a system for that? Yeah, dude. I I almost rent like exclusively to my network. Like I don't have very many tenants that I don't personally know. Mm. and like they, they, I ain't trying to hear none of the friend bullshit. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, I'll get you. No, that's not happening. Like, you know, they know if they rent from me and we have a conversation, I have them on leases, you know, like it's, Hey, this is what it is. Let's do the first. And like, I, I have, you know, a couple employees that rent from me we're great. They don't, you know, I don't, they don't bust me up for stuff. And a lot of times it's great because I trust them. So I don't need to get a security deposit from them. They can get in cheaper. I trust them. You know, it, it mm. works out. It's just, I've, ne- I've never had anybody screw me, you know, on that. It, do, I mean, are, do bad deals go down? Yeah. I mean, like I just, I just, uh, I bought a fourplex that had fire damage and the title company missed a, a survey saying that it had to be converted to a duplex or single family dwelling. So now I'm in the middle of a court case with that. It happens, but it's part of like, yeah, dude, yeah. you know what I mean? Like if you're going to dude, if you're going to swing the bat, you're going to get struck out every once in a while. If you're trying to hit home runs. You're going to hit strikes. Uh, you're going to get, you're going to get struck out sometimes. Yeah. I think that's one of the biggest setbacks, people's failure. Like we've failed so many times at Fitzoda. We failed so many times in this company. It's almost embarrassing. You gotta be willing to do it. You gotta be willing to get out in the case. Chris and I talk about this a lot where like with MMA fighters, it's even more apparent when you fail, you know? You're in the middle of a ring in front of all these people and you could get you could get murked. And that's just part of the process. And yeah, I just don't (laughs) I don't understand. Like you see this happen all the time. You'll get a young prospect, he goes eight no and then loses his first fight and he never fights again. It's like what 
I, I just don't, I don't, for me, like I have a goal of what I'm trying to do and I believe in it. I believe, like I can tell by talking to you, you believe in what you're doing. If you believe in what you're doing, like is one setback or is an ep economic uh, downturn, like is that, I just don't, to me, it's baffling to me that people can give up on a hope and a dream and uh, off, off of a, a setback, which you know what reminds me of, this will change gears real quick. What pisses me off is how <laughs> I'm gonna. You're gonna get me going. I'm gonna get myself going. Let's go. How people, how Reach. people will support a football team or a baseball team or a basketball team, and they'll like spend thousands of dollars going to support these teams and these people they've never met before, but won't support their own goals and dreams. Bro, hold on, yo, that's crazy. You said that because I used to be really big into church, right? And uh, I still have a very spiritual guy, but I don't believe in the current dogma of most religions. But anyways, I'd be in church and I would get made fun of for like going to worship or being really excited about reading books or my future. And I used to say the same shit. Like I'd go to a Broncos game and see a guy paint his face, scream all game. Same guy who would fucking talk shit about me praising the Lord yep. or being whatever I'm into something, something meaningful. And I'd be like, you don't even know, you know more about Rod Smith and the roster of the Broncos than you know about your fucking family, bro. Like it's crazy to me. I, and you I, wonder why you're broke and sick and fucked up. Like, yeah, the, the, that, that part is insane. They'll spend thousands uh, of dollars, you know, the $40 parking pass, a fucking $17 hot dog, thousands of dollars on 50 yard lines tickets. They'll paint their face, you know, and then they'll make fun of you for not have, you know, not going out on the weekend. It's just, I don't like yeah, going to bed early and investing in your future. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy to me, man. Like it's, it's you know that theory of uh, the bucket, the crabs in a bucket, you know how that works. What is it? Uh, so if, if you put a bunch of crabs in a bucket and one tries to get out, the, the rest of them will pull them back in. <laughs> yeah. That's human nature, man. It it's, is. Uh, it is. Matty, you said you had a question for James. Yeah. Um, when you're talking about, like, I'm a big fan of YouTube learning, too. Um, yeah. Someone's like, you're really inspiring me right now. A place I can get started in, like, certain channels that you like mm. to check out or... Like finance channels? Yeah, stuff? something like, oh, I want to, like, get better at managing my debt or get out of a certain credit card or I want to learn about this stuff. What kind of... Uh, yeah, where YouTube's would you send people, bro? Yeah. Yeah, there's a couple guys that I like to listen to. Uh, Grant Cardone for real estate. I mean, he's he does a really good job of just getting people to uh, like getting people to relate to how you can invest in real estate and how like he makes it make sense to a normal he's who I started watching first like he made it mm. make sense to me who like I wasn't making any real type of money and it was like oh well like I can do this you know like this is this is mm. something he makes it very uh tangible palatable yes yes uh yeah. cardone is a good one um there's a guy named uh pace morby that is really, really good into uh, creative finance for real estate, like no money in deals. Um, he's incredible with all kinds of all kinds. Of, he's he like takes over people's payments. Uh, he does what's called sub two deals. His name's Pace Morby. He's very, very, very genius on uh, creative finance. Uh, Alex Harmozy is really good with business stuff. Um, there's a guy named uh, Garrett Gunderson who's good in finances. Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad Poor Dad uh, guy, he's good on finance. Those are the guys that I really kind of listen to on a regular basis. But if you're getting to dive into real estate, there's a podcast called Bigger Pockets Podcast that has like a bazillion episodes. Just scroll through their episode list, and if there's a topic that like interests you or intrigues you, listen to that episode. And like once you get in the rabbit hole, it'll be easy to navigate like where you want to go. And, and I think what's important is to find your niche. You know what I mean? There's so many different things going on. Sometimes you can get paralyzed, you know, like, but find one thing and like, educate yourself. Is it multi-unit? Is it single family? Is it creative finance? Is it uh like one thing that people don't talk about is like, wholesaling. Like dude, wholesaling is wholesaling is basically wholesaling real estate is you don't have to have a real estate license. It's basically saying if, if Chris needs a property and he wants to pay a hundred thousand dollars for it, and then I sell it. I I I, I know Camozzi's selling a property for ninety five thousand. So I'll buy Camozzi's property, put it on contract. I don't even need to use my own money. I just put it on contract. I take that contract and I give it to you, Chris. And I say, hey, for a hundred thousand dollars. So there's a five thousand dollar gap there that I made for brokering the deal. That's wholesaling. Like mm. people become millionaires by wholesaling deals. And and it's that's so you don't need a license. You don't need any of that stuff to do it. So there's just so many ways. And I think I dove into this a little bit on the last thing. Is like. 
getting out of the general knowledge and getting into very niche specific knowledge. There was a kid that uh that won like sixty million dollars on a Fortnite tournament a couple of years ago. Like, if you want to be like now we talked about this, how it's just so different. Like there's so many ways to make money now. You just have to yeah. dive into a specific niche and like really just embrace that. Like if you're into Dungeons and Dragons, cool. I, be the best okay. at it. And you can probably yeah. monetize it in some way. Like I never thought in a million years that I would have a Discord group with a few thousand people in it selling my MMA picks. Like I never thought that would be a thing, but like I was already doing it and now I'm getting paid really good to can do I, what I was already doing. Can I give a testimonial for that? So <laughs> do you mind? No, go ahead. Uh, so I've been in the Discord for a few weeks and I'm still trying to pick some stuff up. In fact, I felt a little bashful about texting James about a question I had because I was like, I don't want him to think I'm stupid. You know? It's like a new thing for me. But the way you guys approach betting from the units to – because it's just like investing. It's like you would – I would teach a client, you know, hey, there's this investment idea. Let's put 5% of your portfolio in it and see what happens. We'll work our way into it. You guys are approaching if, – if I'm not mistaken, approaching betting the same way, like half a unit here, a unit here. Hey, let's be smart. Let's hedge our bets um, I've been, I'm 15 and three in the discord group and I've, I've made 500% on my money in the last <laughs> two weeks. Now I only had, a, I have only had a couple thousand in, you know, but if, you know, if, if you get 500% on your money every few weeks, uh, I mean, that's a down payment for a house in the next 12 months. And it doesn't but always yeah, go I've, like I've, that. It doesn't I've always go like that. The, yeah. I've loved the discord group. I've made money. I've 15 and three. That's great. Uh, it's been fucking amazing. Yeah, long long term we win, man. Like, uh, you know, we win long long term we win. If you if you would play a thousand dollars a play on every one of of the plays that we've offered, I think you'd be up like, I don't know, forty forty grand or something like that. That's nuts. I need to I need to fucking pump my numbers up. I got I got rookie numbers right now. I need to pump those numbers. <laughs> you got to pump those up. No, it's this this. But I was already doing that. No, I was just saying I was already doing that. Like I was doing it before. I had a WhatsApp group with like twenty people in it. Guys from the gym. And we were already doing it, you know? And, dude, that's that's another thing. Like, I feel like if if you if you have a niche industry, like, for example, I was thinking about you whenever I thought of this the other day. It's like, to me, the Discord is a community. And, like, mm. if you aren't building – because, like, email lists are dead, right? Like, we can all agree email lists don't – they're not a thing yeah. anymore. But I think for people – I think people need to build a community. So right now we have, you know, two or 3,000 people. We had 5,000, 5,500 in it, and we had to, like, do a mass purge because we had the culture in that, in that Discord is really important to us, and we had a bunch of shitheads mm. in it. So we got rid of a bunch of bots. We got rid of a bunch of people that are just assholes. So we cut it down to, like, I don't know, two or 3,000 people. But now I have this community that I'm able to – obviously we have the community to, to give our picks to – but we also have a community to, to, to push out our podcast. You know, like as soon as we drop this podcast, it goes out to the Discord first and foremost. So the first people to see it, mm. right? And so now we have a community to help. Like we talk about real estate, we talk about crypto, and now we have this community built. And I feel like every, every company should be looking to build a community. You guys, in my opinion, should be looking to build a, I don't know, if it's a like a fit soda community or if it's just a community in general of hey man like these people are people that are interested in what we do and we want to be able to to broadcast what we're doing to these people because they care about it and they're in and dude that's the one thing of our discord it's a super cool community the culture is really chill there uh, and it's a fun place to hang out online if that makes any sense at all and uh, i think that's really important is to create your own email list or your own community mm. or your own place where like-minded people get together and talk about the same ideas like what we're doing right now. Yeah. Yeah. No, like I said, uh, last fights, I wasn't even in watching the fights. I was just in the discord, enjoying the conversations going back and forth. Uh, it's I didn't even cool. watch the fights. I just, at the end of the night, I was like, Oh, I went four and two today. Dope. Uh, no, you're right. I dude, I think this podcast has been worth it for anyone who's an entrepreneur. If you're a high level emails, dead discord is a thing. How do you build community around that? I love that. Um, I Because you're right. Like, I've always told guys, too, like, Instagram is a place to connect. Most companies use the internet as, like, a bathroom wall of just splattering up their shit. And there's no connection. And people can tell that. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, no, that's dope, dude. Um, I wanted to ask a question about the house hacking, but I forgot. Oh, Maddie, I think your question was good. So um, Pace Morby, Alex Hamozi, Robert Kiyosaki. What about, have, did you ever listen to anyone uh, for just general finance knowledge? Like, well, I'll give you one, Matt. One of them was that I used to love reading was Harry Dent. He talks a lot about demographics. One of the ideas of the study of demographics is you can start to chart market movement. So like uh, if you look at the baby boom generation, there's always this joke we used to tell in finance that when they came home from the war, they dropped their guns and started making babies with their wives, which is why we had this explosion in population, which is why the baby boom generation, if you track anything they ever went through, you know, just crushed markets. Um, there is concern over the next like 10 years, we are going to have a decrease in spending just due to lack of population. This is why Elon Musk been talking about it. A yeah. Ton. Yep. Because uh, he's worried about spending. It's called the virtuous circle. The virtuous circle is you make a product, people buy it, there's consumerism, people spend, and it goes around and around. So Harry Dent's one. Um, I would say personal finance. So you're talking more like, how do I manage my credit card debt, that kind of thing. Yeah, and just in general, like how do I uh, get better at the discipline fact of this? Like where do I learn these skills? Almost? I, I think I, it's it, – listen, I think it's success habits in general. Like, like – Little bits at a time, too. Yeah, it's just... Uh, like a daily practice. Yeah, I mean, listen, man, I hate the word budget because I'm not living on a fucking budget, and I never have, man. I'm not going to, I'm not, gonna not buy a $5 thing. I hate that $5 Starbucks. You save $300 a month. I'm not fucking doing that. Like, I, dude, there's a thing uh, uh, P. Diddy says, or Diddy or whatever he's called now, he says, I don't want the car that looks like a phantom. I want the fucking phantom. And that's, I want the phantom. I'm not going to save $5 going to star, not going to star, but I'm not going to do that. Like mm. that's, I, to me, and this is, man, to answer your question, Maddie, uh, I know exactly where you should start. Seven habits of highly effective people. Boom. Boom. That's yeah, because no, James, start. you bring up an interesting point. You could almost argue that that's a conspiracy theory to teach people to budget because what you're teaching them to focus on is scarcity. That's right. Ooh, this is good. You're teaching them to focus on scarcity and not prosperity, which are two totally different fucking universes. They're, they're, if you teach people prosperity and how to make wealth, yeah, you don't have to worry about the $5 Starbucks. I'm going yeah. to tell you a story. This regards my friend Mike, Mike Morgan. He's, dude, he's amazing. He's, he's, he's great. And this happened to me too. I, I kind of told you guys about this. I was in the middle of buying that McLaren. And dude, I could not sleep over this damn car. I just obsessed over it. And Mike is a good friend of mine. So he starts, he starts looking into it. And, you know, he's obsessing over the same videos for me. Long story short, he's buying a McLaren now. And he, he asked me, you know, he asked me, he's like, man, am I, am I stupid here? And he told me the same advice. And there's, there's, I'm going to tell you on a big scale and then I'm going to, I'm going to dumb it down. If I didn't buy that McLaren, I can tell you guys with hundred percent confidence that 20 to 30% of my brain space would be taken up thinking about that car. Mm. So effectively I am 30% less effective in my day to day. For me, it's more expensive for me not to buy that car than it is for me to buy that car because I'm not focused on uh, scarcity. I'm focused on producing. I'm a producer. There's savers and there's producers. Mm. I am not a mm. saver. I'm a producer. So for me, by getting rid of that brain space, and I can tell you guys, the second that I pulled in my garage with that McLaren, the second that that car pulled in, my, my brain was free to go about and do my things again. And that's what my mm. friend Mike is going through right now. And he's just got to, you know, dude, he's calling me multiple times a day about this car. And it's just take it to the to the starbucks for me that the joy that i would get from drinking that five dollar starbucks is going to allow me to go produce rather mm. than oh i don't want the i'm going to save the five dollars dude if you, i'm telling you guys right now if you go save that five dollars you're going to fucking spend it at lunch at chipotle anyway you might as well just do it and focus on more producing frame it though james more coach is like more. how about instead of saving the five you learn how to make ten that's exactly right. I don't, I don't worry about saving. I'm not saving shit, man. I'm not budgeting. I'm not saving anything. And I'll be honest with you guys, even when I didn't have money, I didn't budget. That's a real thing. So, I didn't budget. So, Maddie, in your case, where I think someone like you listening to this would be like, okay, I get that. 
like what he just said. So one idea out of this podcast for anybody out there could be start a discord, look into a community you can create. I know for you, music would be one. What's a way, how's a way you could monetize? No, this is really good. Cause I think there's a ton of people who are going to be listening to this. Like guys, I get, these are really high level topics, arbitrage, those kind of things. If you haven't studied finance, you might get lost. No, but the basic building block is shift from scarcity to pros- prosperity. And yes. think of ways that you can monetize your, your, the things that you love. Maddie, in your case, I, your example could be a Discord group where you guys share samples and beats. Don't uh, worry about the money. That, Don't that, worry about the money. Add value. Add value to people. Value, value. There's a price on value, but you have to add value first. You can't, that's, dude, I, so many people, they want paid I first. Agree. You got to add value first. Value first, and then you can ask for the money after people see the value. Think about any, yep. like, what is your guys's, <laughs> I mean, I, you, I can tell you right now, you're going to be like, oh, fuck, that makes so much sense. And Chris, you already, I'm sure you know where I'm going with this. How do you get people to buy your product? You give a little bit of it. You give a little bit mm. of value first. It's, and no, then they, bro, it's drug dealing. Let's be honest. It's, let me give you a sample of my weed. You're going to come back. Yeah. That's right. Like it's, it's, you're going to give cans. You're going to send these little, the first time you guys sent me a thing, it was a beautiful case of each flavor. It was dope. You guys gave me a little bit of value for me to be like, Oh dude, I want to, I'm going to purchase this. I'm going to buy this because this shit is good. You know, like yeah. it, it's, it's amazing. It's everything that I wanted to drink, blah, blah, blah. But you gave me, you gave me value first. And then I mm. saw how valuable it was. And I was like, I got to be a part of this. So Wait, so that brings yeah. up an interesting point, Coach. Like, I think so. Yeah, some people will hear this and immediately want to go make money. What you're saying, and so that book, The Psychology of uh, Money, he was talking about the law of compounding, and you said it. It's not just in interest rates. It's also in just, like, your life. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, we're all in such a hurry to get to point B that we're, we're forgetting about the law of compounding. Like, if you start a Discord group for the music community in Denver, which could eventually be amazing – it could take you a year, but or in a longer. year, once you monetize it, then there's your down payment for a house in the next 12 months. And then you're on your, you're on your way. You know what I mean? I think so many people are trying to muscle it so fast. It's, it just falls it, apart on them. people have an automatic bullshit detector in their, in their brains. Like your subconscious mind works that this is like when you're, when your gut tells you something that is your subconscious mind telling, you no. that means, Hey, I don't know what it is, but something's different about this and I don't like it. And people don't want to feel like they've been got, you know, they don't want to feel like they've been had. They don't want to feel like they're being sold. They don't want to, they want genuine connection. They want genuine culture. They want genuine, uh, product. They want, they want real people want real, like it's, it's a cultural transition. We're seeing people are eating fast food less. They're going to local, they're shopping local more. People want a real connection. They're tired of the the big box shit. They want real people to talk to. They want real connection to talk to. And they want people that are like-minded in the music industry or in the fit soda industry or in the discord, you know, betting industry. They want people that are doing the same things that they're doing to talk to a real person that understands what they're going through. Yeah. I agree, man. I mean, technology was great in a lot of ways, but it separated us. And I feel like everyone wants their tribe. Yeah. People yeah. are and clamoring it, it, for tribes. People, people feel, uh, people feel so disconnected. And I keep saying Dungeons and Dragons and it's like, dude, it's just not my thing. You know, like I did, I don't dungeon, like I'm going to make fun of somebody and call him a fucking dork for doing that stuff. Or what, but like, I appreciate passion. If you're passionate mm. about something, I am all for it. And, you know, obviously there's exceptions to the rule, but like I'm all for passion. And dude, the second that I saw some kid make $60 million off of a fucking Fortnite tournament, like, dude, don't tell me you can't make money doing what you love. Like this kid is literally shitting on one, you know, 99.9% of the world by playing video games, $60 million by playing video games. I saw I mean, that thing on Instagram. One of the highest paid athletes. Athletes. highest paid athletes dude don't tell me you can't make it there's there's too many ways to make it anymore there's too many ways to make it anymore i just refuse to believe that that you can't make money in today's world i, just, I refuse you know what i love it. that you said that i hope people st- catch on to too is like with as much as there is to do remember what coach said it is to find a niche because there's a million ways to do it which is almost the problem now too is there's so many things you could attack but there's like, okay, let me ask you this. Like, do you want, would you rather have an associate's degree or a doctorate? 
I'd rather have a billion dollars, but uh, yeah, same. But like, pick. pick there's one. a lot of variables to that. Um, I'm gonna probably go. If I if I had, I'll, I'll make it easier. If I had a magic wand right now, you had to do nothing. I could write a name. Would you rather have an associates or a doctorate? You don't have to go to school. You don't have to do shit. I'll give it to you right now. Which one do you pick? I'd go with doctorate just for the clout. A doctorate is specific knowledge. A PhD or a doctorate that is specific. It's very specific knowledge. Mm. Saying, "Hey, I, I am an expert in this one field." Whereas an associate mm. is just like, "Hey, dude, you're you might as well have got a high school diploma at this point. You didn't do shit." You know what I mean? Like, it's specific knowledge over general knowledge. That's you know, like. You, and you're, if you're in the Maddie, if you're in the music industry, you don't want to talk about all genres. You want to be, I don't know what you do. Like maybe you're the the EDM beat. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like get very specific on what you're trying to do. Specific knowledge trumps general knowledge always. Yep. Always. I think that's a good place to wrap. That was a good one, Coach. Thank you. That that was awesome. We should have our own finance show someday together. Don't tease me with a good time. <laughs>